Hello, hello. Welcome to the Drupal 7 End of Life podcast. Before we start, if you're responsible for a Drupal 7 site, then you're faced with the challenges of upgrading and migrating before end of life, all the things that we've been talking about. There's lots of resources available to you, but you don't have to go it alone. We've compiled those for you on our site. There's going to be a link in the show notes. We're offering a free 45-minute working session to help you assess your organization's level of risk, identify your options, and roadmap your transition plan. If that's of interest to you or anyone, check out our Drupal 7 page, and you can always reach out to me directly. We'd love to hear from you. But today, I'm joined by Dave Look, our CEO at Chromatic, who's co-hosting with me. But most importantly, we are joined by Matt Glamon. Matt has been working with Drupal since 2013. He's the author of multiple Drupal books and currently a principal software engineer at Acquia. Matt's the maintainer of one of my favorite tools, PHP Stand Drupal. And if you haven't seen Matt live coding on Twitch, links to all those things will be in the show notes. But Matt, welcome. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. One of the challenges that we've talked a fair bit about in upgrading from Drupal 7 to modern Drupal is the custom code component. There's the data component, we talk about migrations, but the custom code that your organization has written for Drupal 7 is not gonna run on modern Drupal, Drupal 8, 9, and 10. And Matt does a ton of work. Matt, you do a ton of work with custom code and, and analyzing that code in your project. So I thought, we spoke at mid-camp. I was like, we have to talk to Matt on the podcast and learn um, more about what can be done. One of the things that I asked you when we spoke was, are we done with tooling for Drupal 7 custom code? Is there any more that we can do? So I'm going to ask you again here now that we're recording. Matt, is there any more that we can do for folks with a lot of custom code on Drupal 7? I think there is. And I know there's the Drupal module upgrader project and I've never dove into it because I've never had to, but I know there has been investment in that by several individuals. I don't think there's an agency necessarily putting a lot of time into it. And from what I understand that can upgrade some things, but what's been odd is no one said we need to invest in tooling to make it easier to migrate from Drupal seven to eight, nine, 10. They've invested time in the migration, like literal data migration, but not code. And one of the reasons that I fell in love with Drupal is that it's an application framework. It's not a content management system. You build applications with it that happen to interact with content-based things. And there's the other half of the equation that just hasn't seen that kind of investment or tooling. And maybe it's just because nobody said, this is where we're gonna spend our money or it's just too spread out. But I haven't seen a really big concerted effort there. I think in a lot of the conversations, it's just sort of been accepted as maybe fact is too strong a word, but just it is the way it is. It's the state of play. You're going to have to spend a ton of developer hours manually rewriting this code to update it to work against the modern Drupal APIs since they've changed in such a big way from the Drupal 7 APIs. We know what these different APIs are. so. What do you think can be done? Is there something that can be done on the tech side? What can we do to help this transition? So there is one thing that did happen. I wasn't part of it. Acquia had its Migrate Accelerate program, or it's like an offering that's given to customers. I'm not on that team, but I know they, they spent like hundreds of hours helping write migrations because one of the nice things 
with Drupal 7 to Drupal 8, 9, et cetera, there was a consolidation in the market. Some contrib were marked obsolete. They joined forces. So one of the migrate acceleration programs was writing migrations from that module that wasn't ported to its counterpart over there. So that does help with some of the custom code migration in ways, but I think we need to build a bridge, if you will, a backwards compatibility layer. Now, every version, every minor version of Drupal core provides backward compatibility layers when it deprecates something. It says, hey, we deprecated this, but your code's not gonna break when you upgrade. But once the new version comes out, that's when it sheds that layer, if you will. So all that, all those backward compatibility layers are gone. And there's nothing to polyfill that. There's nothing outside of Drupal core to keep that going. And I started looking at how Symfony, they have the PHP version polyfills. So you can use PHP 8.1 or 8.2 functions on 7.4 or 8.0. And I actually haven't ever looked to see if you could persist some PHP 7.4 functions because I feel like it's more like forward facing polyfills. And when we talk about polyfills, it is that. We wanna take these new features and use them on previous versions. But what if we created an opposite of that and we provided a community maintained backwards compatibility layer? One of the most beautiful yet scary things is that in 2010, 11, I wrote a WordPress plugin to embed Facebook page photo albums on your WordPress site. I haven't touched it in however long, Facebook put like a trademark thing at it. So you can't even like download it anymore, but people still find it. And I still get support requests because it works, but it doesn't work because something with the API changed. So like WordPress has achieved this longevity, but I feel that there's a cost of innovation by not shedding off deprecated code and advancing. It's just a way of life with software. But I think we could solve that by abstracting it outside of code. So when we're talking about deprecations between major versions of Drupal, when something is deprecated, what's marked as deprecated and something new has in many cases has been created to take its place. And while it's in that deprecated state, it's essentially left there as a, a wrapper to call the new thing. Uh, in, I'm generalizing here, but when the next major version happens, those deprecated pieces are removed. So you have to use the new thing. With the Symphony example you gave, am I right in understanding essentially that's moved, those deprecations are maintained in separate projects in a contrib space. So we could keep those going in a way outside of Drupal core. Yeah, the Symphony one was a slightly bad example because it's porting forward features back. So okay. like 8.2 to 8.0, but they own those in their own components. And it is a bit hard to compare to Symphony because they do separate everything out to components. But it, those polyfills are maintained by the core team, as far as I know. Different development structure, you know, each component might have its own team that works as part of core. I'm not entirely sure. There is something that's called Symphony Flex. And I didn't dive into it too much, but I think that is something that helps bridge all these major versions of Symphony. Mm -hmm. At DrupalCon Portland, we were talking to some of the Symphony folks, and Symphony Flex was the inspiration behind my Composer Lenient package that allowed saying, it doesn't matter if the module says it's only compatible with eight and nine, we'll allow you to install it on 10 because you can patch it. So I know the Symphony community has something that they use to help bridge this gap, but I'm not entirely sure what it looks like. The one thing I think that's important to remind people when we're talking about these deprecations and major versions of Drupal, Drupal seven to eight was like the big shift. There was no, 
deprecation and then removal step there. All the AP, not all of the APIs, but so many of the APIs were changed and removed without sort of a, a deprecation period then removal because Drupal 7 to 8 was such a big break. That's why this is moving off of Drupal 7 to a more modern version of Drupal is such a big difference compared to moving from Drupal 8 to 9 or 9 to 10. Those are relatively easy upgrades, which is not the case for Drupal 7 to 8. Would you agree with that, Matt? Yeah. And I think if anybody has also looked at the 9 to 10 upgrade or 8 to 9 and had hesitation, Drupal 8 had a really, really long life cycle, like too long. It accumulated way too much debt and fell out of sync with its dependencies itself. So that's why Drupal 9 had, I think it had the right life cycle of two years. Does that follow Symphony? But we had a lot of catch up to do in two years. So I'm actually really looking forward to the 10 to 11 readiness next year because Drupal 11 will release in 2024. I think like to follow Jesus' promise, it will be much easier because we've kind of caught up on the debt and we're setting a cadence. Drupal 7 lived a long time. Drupal 8 took a long time to ship. It lived for a long time. We didn't really have a cadence for delivering software fast and having tooling and being like modern software development. Like We've already talked about other software projects. We're not alone in this island. Symfony has deprecations and a life cycle. Laravel has deprecations and a life cycle. It's just Drupal's kind of, if you will, growing up and into this field and setting its own cadence. And we're shifting to it. Could can I ask a question? So for those that are less technical, when we're talking about things being deprecated, can you two unpack some of what that means and why we should care about deprecations as stakeholders? So I have one. It's bad. Anybody that's a plumber out there will say this isn't how it works. But I, <laughs> I think, imagine that you have a set of pipes and one is lead, but you can't like shut the water off because whatever reason. So you're going to graft on some PVC pipe and that's the new way to go. And water's kind of half flowing through both, but that mm. previous lead pipe can be considered deprecated because you've attached the new proper like PVC pipe. And then once the water stops flowing and you've made sure all the systems work, you can cut out the old lead pipe and dispose of it properly. So kind of, it's a way to route to the new way of doing it without catastrophically just shutting everything off. Yeah. Okay. Well, I was wondering how the bridge that you mentioned would fit into that in terms of allowing something to be deprecated and perhaps continue to function in the interim and what the risks and rewards of that would be. Yeah. Let's look at Word, like how I brought up WordPress, how things just work. They have kept their backwards compatibility layers or have just done so many small changes that like, honestly, if you look at WordPress from before to now, it's not that different. That's right. a maintenance burden. That's technical debt. And if we wanted to keep these backwards compatibility layers in core, we're asking core maintainers and committers to take on that technical debt and ensure that new changes don't break those backward compatibility layers. Yep. And that kind of kills innovation. So that's yep. one reason that you want to shed it is to remove that technical debt and liability because it's open source. It is owned by many people. So we want to make it as easy to maintain as possible. So one of the great things that I've seen evolve and happen in the contrib space is the module update bot. So with Drupal 10 approaching, a bot basically takes the output of some tools that are on the command line and can create a patch that makes many of the changes that are needed to move your code from the older 
deprecated APIs, any of the ones that have changed to their new counterparts. And I know you're involved in the tools that help run that. The, all the bot do, does is run those tools and then post a patch in an issue for each contrib module. Now that's great because it lowers the burden on the module maintainer. It's like, here's a patch. All you got to do, test it, make sure everything's working, get it going. Now that's a little bit different than what we're talking about here with Drupal 7 bridge. So what are the pros and cons there? And is something like the module up, update bot, should we be pushing for an evolution of that to run for the Drupal set for your Drupal seven code, or is a bridge a better approach? I think a bridge is a better approach because in my history, like a lot at when I was at Centaro slash commerce guys and e-commerce replatforming, everybody replatforms, mm -hmm. but you don't want to have to touch your business logic. Like you want to just somehow be able to like pick it up and put it somewhere else. And isn't that like the dream right now about the composable DXP and composable commerce is you can pick up your business logic and plop it somewhere else by automating those tools that could refactor your code, you're touching all that business logic that works that maybe not have unit tests, but it works. So you touch it and now it's not going to work or you don't know why it may not work. So that's where a bridge is great or a polyfill, whatever you want to call it, because then you don't have to touch that code. You can focus on porting your data and not touching your code and then put that at the tail end of your migration to iteratively improve that code and bring it over to newer versions of Drupal. Otherwise you're stuck. That's not being agile. Let's think of it that way. Right now, the migration is very waterfall. We pick a date, we gotta work back, figure out what we have to do. By providing this bridge or layer, it lets folks be agile that they can work in a data migration first, get running in production and say that it's great. And then take six months or like monthly sprints split it across like feature development because right fixing that code is not feature dev that's maintenance task and stakeholders want features and they need these yep. features fixed or bugs in that stuff fixed and this yep. will help alleviate that tug of war of deliverables yeah we actually had a similar issue with drupal drupal 8 migration several years ago where we had a lot of business logic for a large insurance provider here in illinois and they we just wrote custom modules that would execute the Drupal seven modules in Drupal eight. And it was the best way we could, we just built our own custom wrappers because there wasn't something provided by the community. So I personally, I think from like a stakeholder perspective, the bridge idea is amazing, but what I don't know from a technical standpoint is like, what's the risk of that in the long run? So when I'm talking to a, a client or a stakeholder, how, is this a good thing or a bad thing? And to your point, Matt, the upgrading then becomes a maintenance task. And if maintenance isn't really allocated towards it, does this thing then just live there forever? And is that a, yeah. something we need to worry about? That's my fears. We're going to have some Franken Drupals all over the place. <laughs> Everybody's going to be empowered to create their own, to be Frankenstein and create their own monsters, if you yeah. will. But that was my fear. I've had this idea for a long time, but just, it's like, you know what? Who cares? Like, if that's what people do, people... People do horrible things with their own software all the time and don't maintain <laughs> things. So who am I to judge if this is what unblocks them and that's what they're dealt with? You know, that means some other developer is going to have a great job opportunity working on that legacy application to, to fix it. Or like things happen, a new manager comes in, looks at this and goes, why are we doing this? They replatform. Like we have to just want to acknowledge that replatforming is something that happens with change of management. 
So let's just try to solve the problems that the current management's facing. And hopefully they don't look at it later and go, this was a bad idea, but instead it keeps them innovating and growing with Drupal. Yeah, I think that's a great idea. So Drupal 7 end of life is scheduled for November of this year. And they do have an escape hatch that they could extend it. They have a little bit of time left to make that announcement. I expect that if an announcement happens, it'll happen at DrupalCon, which probably the next episode after this, you'll hear us speaking at or after DrupalCon. We'll be able to share any news related to that. But my big question is if they're going to extend end of life, if they're even considering extending end of life, it's not enough, in my opinion, to extend the end of life date and then just sit there and wait and hope that more people are going to move off of Drupal 7 to hopefully to modern Drupal or to backdrop or, but that we won't have close to 400,000 sites still on Drupal 7 a year from now. The numbers are going down, but if you track it out, it's not going down quickly enough to make another year on its own make a difference. Do you have an opinion around this? Do you have thoughts on what else, if they're going to extend the end of life date a year, what else should we be doing as a community to help people that are still on Drupal 7? I think we need to work on this bridge or layer. Like we've acknowledged the fact the migrations were the hardest part. Acquia acknowledged it by building that migration acceleration product. Then we just have to realize there's other blockers to it. And it's not because Drupal's hard to run or maybe it's getting Drupal talent. Drupal did explode and we didn't really have a pipeline for building new developers. But I, I feel like that's not the end problem because we have agencies and agencies can help bigger companies. I think it's just business logic. Or I've been on a few university projects and it started with this grand idea of we have an install profile and that can serve as like a SaaS. Well, then the profile gets turned into a sub profile and then... The one college makes tweaks and it's now unmaintainable. So again, it's not like, that's not a Drupal problem. That's just software that kind of evolves and grows and becomes unmaintainable because it grows larger than maybe the team maintaining it because it gets a life of its own. Yeah. So we have to start thinking of it as this isn't a Drupal problem. How is this solved in technology as a whole? I, I don't know, but it's not an us problem. It's a general field problem. Like anything in our field, this, we're not on an island here. So I think we need to start solving the, how do we make it easier to avoid the maintenance burden of rewriting all that code? Because it's not just migrating data anymore. I would say too, if Drupal Bridge is part of the solution, Drupal Bridge right now lives where it lives in your head and it lives on in your GitHub profile, it's not public yet. If I, no, if my research, I, I did a... snoop around to see if you had <laughs> quietly released it. It's not public yet. Am I right? So it's not public yet, but I do have a private repo called Drupal bridge. And the idea would be that you do composer, create project, Drupal recommended project, install a composer, require Drupal bridge, and then you cut your Drupal seven code, paste it in the modules, custom folder and ta-da, it works. Right now, I do have it where it reads hook menu and renders pages properly, forms halfway work. So it will take the old form hooks, render the form. The one nice part is we lost a lot of APIs, but the render API is basically the same. Render arrays haven't changed since Drupal 6. There's been new features added, but not that much has changed. Mm -hmm. You know, like the database stuff, any of the like DB select, all that happened is those got removed 
but it's still the same API arguments, all that when you call the like oop version of it. So some parts are easy. Now entity will be wild, like entity get controller and any of those. I haven't dove into that yet, because it's also, I have to evaluate when do I work on this versus a job, kids, family, but it's there. And I think I might make it public soon, maybe for DrupalCon, do like a big unveil. I won't be there, but just as a like, Hey, everybody have fun at DrupalCon and push the button. <laughs> well, I would say this shouldn't all rest on you either. How do we, if, if this is. If people rally around this idea and believe what you believe that this could be an important part of helping people that are still on Drupal 7 as end of life approaches. How do we rally support to an investment in a tool like this? Should it, I don't think that any one person should, should be responsible for that. I, I feel like there's enough tools on your plate that you are mainly responsible for. And maybe that's a great reason to ask you like how you feel about that. Yeah. So my one thought is I don't necessarily want to put it on my GitHub because then it's tied to me forever. Drupal.org recently came out with general projects that could be used for PHP packages, NPM libraries. The only problem is that I guess now we have GitLab CI in there, so we could have test matrices, but I've had more fun or more use with GitHub actions instead of burning DA time for these things that have robust test matrices requirements. I, yeah, I definitely don't want to put more on my plate. Like in GitHub does not make collaboration easy. I know that's where everybody goes to do open source, but in all honesty, it's not a great collaboration model. If somebody makes a pull request, only I can make updates to it or anybody I add as a collaborator. Oh, and if I add them as a collaborator, they have full admin permissions and it's not great. And that's one thing that Drupal, the Drupal community has solved with Drupal.org and kind of baked into our GitLab solution. So I think the idea would be to put it on Drupal.org as a general project. So that way everybody can use it. It's possible to put things on Drupal's GitLab to packages as well. So that way it can be served as a general PHP package. And then I can add maintainers to it and the community can contribute to it as before. And then it also incentivizes issue credits. I know sometimes it'd be a controversial topic, but if that's, if agencies want to invest, but they're afraid to just work, not afraid, but they look at and contributing to it and it's okay, we got some fix. Well, now they have the extra incentive of issue credits being tied. To so maybe that would be also help push that forward. I think one of my big takeaways so far in all of these discussions, whether it's about backdrop, whether it's about the Drupal 7 soft landing initiative and here now is I've realized how much marketing is part of the problem and maybe marketing has a bad connotation or with some people in some context, but really it's about people knowing about a thing about about the initiative, about the tool, about Backdrop as a product, for example, like getting enough mindshare and understanding of what really is this? Oh, I've heard about this thing, but I don't know, let alone like I'm going to invest and contribute yeah. to it. So I think with a tool, Maybe this, I, I know I'll be Pittsburgh. Oh, sorry. Exactly. Exactly. Anything that can draw attention to it, I would encourage like coordination with the soft landing initiative folks with, you know, people that can bring more attention to anything like this. I know I'll be talking about it in Pittsburgh in two weeks at DrupalCon, like about all of these options and how do we coalesce 
the ideas, the efforts so that we can bring attention to these, that we can get people excited, get organizations motivated to contribute to these things, because there is plenty of work out there to do. There's plenty of these sites that need to be, that need to be helped and need to be moved. So this is a big opportunity, I think, for people to put some work into a meaningful project that's going to help their own sites and a lot of other sites as well. Yeah, it'll be interesting when it comes to things like Panelizer and what would it look like? Like Panelizer exists in modern Drupal, but there's like a port or there's a migration path to Layout Builder. And that's one where it's impossible for one person to solve or one team mm -hmm. that needs mass adoption for that to use. I know even with PHP and Drupal, a lot of times my work was reactive because it's like, mm -hmm. I think I fixed the bug. I needed the sample size to read it. Well, now Drupal core uses PHP stand Drupal. So now there's my sample size. Right. And that's one where this, this does need to be public and people need to use it to figure out where it doesn't work or like what's impossible to bridge. But even I'm imagining if this even covers 30%, that's a huge improvement. If you don't need to rewrite your DB selects or your hook menu, and you have to just worry about the fact that you built something in Panelizer and now you have to migrate it to Layout Builder, but not your other logic, that's a huge win on its own. Like that makes teams more nimble to get the work done. Mm -hmm. That's a great point. Why do you think no one has built this yet? Why do you think this wasn't built during the Drupal 7 to Drupal 8 migration? I think process, people I were just too busy. There was the people dreaming of Drupal 8 and making it work. That's one reason I left my employer is I knew that we built a SaaS offering on Drupal 7 for web hosting, but they weren't going to drop Drupal 8 until it was like three years in. And then we'd have to worry about migrating it and all that. And I was like, well, I want to work on the cool new stuff. Like I want to go somewhere that I had the chance to build on that. And the folks on Drupal 7 just had to keep the lights on and had probably years of backlog to work on. One thing that I do really love about the Laravel community, sometimes it's way too hype, but I love the hype at the same time and the innovation <laughs> that they want to drive. And there's times that I feel like the community, like the Drupal community looks at Drupal as like, it's a content management system. Or it's just this. It's, it is. And we do some really cool things, but we can do really cool things with Drupal. We can do more cool things to solve these problems. I don't think that's at anyone's fault, but I just would like to see that paradigm shift happen. And maybe we are getting there. Maybe now that we have Drupal 8, we have a cadence, we're going to start moving that direction because it's easier to ship features and do these neat things. And also if people stop thinking of Drupal as Drupal, but a PHP application, like it's a PHP app, yeah. this thing I'm building, the bridge isn't a module. I've had tons of people say, oh, it's a module install. It's like, no, it's not a module install. It hooks into Drupal's service container and just works. It's like, oh, you just, it registers a service provider and ta-da, that's all that needs to happen. So I would also think that maybe this opens folks to new ideas on how they can interact with their Drupal site and customize it. I'd be curious to know if other people did, did this in their Drupal eight and nine projects, just, but they did it behind the scenes in the same way we did in a, it was a very small, it was a one-off case for us. We didn't, it became a stopgap. So it was, let's do this temporarily. And we'll, as we get more budget, we'll port these things over. But I wonder if that's part of the reason is that because Drupal is so customizable and because we can leverage it in so many ways, maybe some people are doing this and we just, nobody's talking about it. Yeah. 
I mean, that could be two or it's too proprietary. I know. Right. Like, for example, with Commerce 2, we made a really big breaking change between Alpha and Beta. We renamed an entity type and I had been working on a production site on Alpha with a thousand orders or even more than that. Like we launched and I took my whole flight from Chicago to DrupalCon Dublin working on a console command that did the migration. But as part of that, like the, the client, I said, I would like to make this be public. We're not going to package it, but I'm going to open it up. And they said, sure. So it's also just making that agreement with your client that whatever we build on, we're at least going to write about it or make like, mine's just a gist on GitHub. But that way, if anybody else was wild and built a production site in Commerce 2 Alpha, they could do that migration if they got hit by it too. So mm-hmm. it's one of, it's just having that set up with your client. And I've been fortunate enough that most of my projects were that way. That it was like from the get-go, you're helping us build in the open and we're going to take contributions, obviously not of your secret sauce, but just try to set that expectation that we want to talk about what we're doing. You're going to get marketing back from it. Now, NDAs, certain things make that hard, but just trying to have that expectance at the beginning. I think one of the key things that you mentioned that made me think a little bit differently about it is the idea of we don't need to solve every single scenario. If we cover 30% and that could be a huge, a much larger percentage of the actual 30% of the APIs might be 80% of the most common usages Mm -hmm. in the code. Um, And certainly before when we're thinking about this problem, it can seem so big and complex. Like you, you tend to think about the most complicated instance. How would we ever solve for X and may take you away from the idea of what, well, we, if we can solve for Y and Z, even if we can't solve for X to your point, that's still a huge win. So that really excites me about this possibility of being able to make a big dent, even if we solve the simpler usages, um, of the bridge. Yeah, like Drupal set message that was there forever and finally got removed. Well, if this can provide Drupal set message, it's one less annoyance. It's not a hard fix. You can search and replace. It's really simple, but it's still work. It's it all still adds work. up. And one thing that we learned with the Drupal 10 readiness is I was talking to my cohort, Jacob Perry, like we're both senior developers and we're looking at these things like this is junior developer work, but. There's like the intricacy, there's like the what ifs, there's the backward compatibility layer, things that maybe a junior developer who's fresh out of college, if you tell them, oh, go fix these deprecations, well, they don't know that fixing that is going to maybe cause side effects for somebody not using that version yet. There's just all these weird quirks. And if you're asking somebody to go into their code that was written five years ago, that's business logic and stable, make those decisions. A junior can't do that. I mean, yes, they technically could, but you're going to need a senior level person because they need to be aware of the side effects of those changes. Mm. It's not an easy task, even if it appears so on paper. And that's really hard to communicate to stakeholders too. Like the executives, if you say they're like, well, you just got to change this line. It's like, but nah, not really. Yeah. Well, in situations like those also, I would imagine it's helpful if you're running static analysis on your code. We mentioned PHP stand Drupal, but I didn't really explain what it was. If people don't know what PHP stand Drupal is, they're not running it on their code base. Can you tell them why they should be? Yeah. So there's this project called PHP stand, which is PHP static analyzer is the shorthand for it or static analysis tool. 
And what it does is it lets you point your code at PHP. It takes it. You can read your PHP code without executing it and possibly find bugs before they run. Because remember, PHP is a scripting language. It gets When you hit the web server, it runs PHP. That compiles it down and then executes it. So it's not a compiled language like Java or Go. And what PHP stand allows you to do is analyze your code before it gets compiled. So that way you don't get the white screen of death if there's a bug. And that's the idea. But Drupal, as I said, we think of Drupal as Drupal and not necessarily a PHP application. Well, we do some odd things when it comes to auto loading and how we scaffold our code. So PHP stand Drupal is that extension layer that makes it so PHP stand can properly analyze your Drupal application mm. and add some nifty things like service resolving and query, entity query analysis. So that way, all the things that make your site tick can be reviewed, analyzed, and catch bugs before they go into production. Or as I like to do it, as a senior, I don't like looking at junior developers and saying, you did this wrong, you did that wrong, fix this. The tooling does that. So I can mentor instead of being that guy who's telling them to fix things nonstop. Well, and you can spend your time talking with more junior developers about the overall approach and strategy and structure as opposed to you're checking, you're setting this variable and you never use it, or you're, you're calling this method and it always will return a value. You don't need to check that the value yeah. is set there. There's an amazing amount of things and coverage that PHP Stan will provide to you and uncover before you ever push your code. So yeah. we're big fans. And if you're not running it on your projects, you really should be. So to wrap up, we're going to watch out for Drupal bridge to be released by DrupalCon. Is that, are, are you committing yeah, to that? I'll, here? I'll make it. So what is it? It's that June 5th. So yeah, I think Sunday I'll get it all prepped and I'll press the button Monday morning as a DrupalCon present since I won't be there. It's going to be exciting to see, and hopefully we can rally support for more contributions to it, testing of it and usage of it on Drupal seven sites. Matt, where can people find you? Anything you want to drive people to? Yeah, so I'm on Twitter as NMDMatt. That is a handle from back in high school. And then everywhere else, it's MGlomin. Um, on Twitter, on GitHub, um, Fediverse, I'm on php.social as that handle. And then on Twitch, also as MGlomin. Um, I do weekly contribution streams, which is my way of maintaining PHP stand Drupal, basically, or Drupal Rector. I set inside two hours every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Central to just hack around the tools and hang out. Awesome. Great. Matt, thank you so much for your work and thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me, Ken.